ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and we want to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Before we get into today's topic, we want you to know that we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about today's episode or ideas for future episodes, please contact us. There are two easy ways to do so. You can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org, again, ignition at sfcatholic.org, or you can tweet us at sfdiocese, use the hashtag Ignition. Again, the Twitter handle is at SFDiocese, that's D-I-O-C-E-S-E, with a hashtag Ignition. Uh, again, my name is Chris Bergwald. I'm the Director of Adult Discipleship and Evangelization with the Diocese of Sioux Falls. Been in that role for 15 years. Been in the role of husband for 18. Uh, my wife, Jermaine, and I have five kids, and we make our home here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And my guest today on Ignition is Marcy Stockman, uh, who was with us in last week's episode. But Marcy, for those who uh, weren't able to listen to last week's episode, could you just briefly introduce yourself to our listeners? Yes, I'm Marcy Stockman from Crosby, Minnesota. Um, I This is where Dr. Bergwald's from, so we, we've been friends a long time. And it's a great privilege to be here today. I'm married to Pete Stockton, and we have seven children and our 11th grandchild on the way. Great. Um, so for, if you did tune in last week, or if you didn't, we're going to recap what we talked about. Um, in, in last week's episode, Marcy and I talked about the value and importance of, of reading deeply, focused, concentrated reading for our spiritual life, for an interior life. Um, at near the end of that episode, we really got into how uh, reading well um, can enhance our ability to um, to, to contemplate, to pray, to think well in particular, uh, to read scripture well. And, and we sort of, Marcy, got, got uh, into a discussion briefly about, about the value of leisure for all of that. Leisure is not just entertainment. Um, is, is any, any other thoughts in terms of summarizing, encapsulating what we discussed in, in last episode? Well, I think it's just growing in an awareness, Chris, that we need to sort of take the reins in the sense of not living a distracted life, but purposing intentionally things that really matter to help to help us re- restore, to help us, I guess, regenerate, to be this, this uh, living, to live in this awareness that He is present, that we live with Him who is living. And, and we need to use every sort of tool we can in our culture to help us live this awareness of our faith. Th- and literature and the arts and music can all supplement the most important place where we're rejuvenated and restored, which is the Holy Mass and the sacraments and the Word of God. You um, I, in, in last week's episode, there's a, a word that you used that that I love uh, in this context: uh, his gaze and recognizing his gaze. And I and I do think that um, if we're not living mindfully, if we're not living intentionally, if we're not living attentively, we miss that gaze of love, uh, the gaze of Jesus Christ upon us. Um, who loves us so deeply that he he died on the cross and is present to us in every moment, in every circumstance, but we so often miss him, Marcy, because we're distracted and we distract ourselves, frankly. Right, right. And uh, and so 
anything that helps us grow in this interior capacity and, and helps, uh, helps us grow in empathy, helps us stay with other people, uh, as I said last week, within the tensions of life, the greater capacity to stay with others is really, um, think of Jesus. He had this amazing capacity everywhere he went to be with the people he was with. He really, um, well, they, it's a form of loving the way we are present with people. So, so again, and this is the context for all this, our, our, our topic for discussion is reading. And I, I'm guessing, Marcy, that many of our listeners may, wait, this can all come from reading? Uh, and I think part of the struggle there, um, just thinking of my own experience and, and that of people who I, who I know, um, it, it does matter. And we, we're going to spend time today talking about what we read because everything that we've just been saying for the last several minutes flows from reading well. So if, if last week's theme was reading more, I think today's theme would be reading well. Um, not just any sort of book is is going to foster the interior life, the, capa- the, the deeper capacity of our interior life that we've been talking about here uh, in, in this episode. Um, the latest uh, New York Times best-selling spy novel or romance um, is probably not going to get the job done. So, Mar- Marcy, first of all, would, is that is that right, or am I wrong about that? I mean, can any book get foster this sort of deep thinking, everything that flows from it, or is a certain kind of book? And then we'll get into okay, if the latter, what kind of book is it? So, and any sort of book or a particular kind of book necessary for what we're talking about today. Okay, that's, that's a great question, and I'm uh, discovering the answer um, in my own life as I, as I read more here. But we have a great tradition. We have a great, vast treasure chest of literature written by authors who are steeped in Scripture, steeped in the Church. And, we, and so their novels reflect truth about life. And if we're human beings designed to seek truth, to recognize that, um, that's part of our human capacity. And literature helps draw that out of us. It, it, it does help draw that out of us if it's well-written, if it's true to the way things really are. I think of an example of a book by Sengrid Unset, who converted to Catholicism while she was writing Kristen Lavenstadter. And in Wild Mom, we've read two of her novels so far. And let me just say quickly that she is one of the greatest novelists ever. She's right up there with Tolstoy and, and the Russian greats. She, she, and yet her, she has not studied in women's studies in the Ivy League universities. Why? Why is she not recognized? Why have, why have her books been dropped? I think she's so steeped. It's a scandal to them because she's so, it's so true to the way things really are for women. In Kristen Lavenstetter, we, this character, you meet Kristen when she's seven years old and Unset has the courage to take us through her whole life and, which is scandalous in the first book. But we see her grow in her faith. We see her grow in her understanding of what it is to really give her life to Christ. And, and it's, we see this maturity take place. And often in life, uh, what a book gives us is this, 
chronological span of time <laughs> right. where we can see a character really change. And I was, uh, when I was reading Kristen Lavin's letter, I, I saw something in this book because good literature awakens our moral imagination. And that was the question matter, absolutely, because we don't want our imagination formed in a diabolical way. Uh, some of the best uh, New York Times bestsellers, <clears throat> like um, Shades of Grey or something, this is pornography. Right. This is forming a diabolical imagination. We want our imagination to be formed in what's good and true and beautiful. And and yet, a good novel has to, you know, as Catholics, Christ is on the cross in our churches. The corpus is on the cross. We see it. We see that he was really crucified. I mean, he really had to suffer and that he was killed for our sins. So a good novelist has to bring in the truth of the human condition and not sort of make it all sugar-coated and call that a Christian novel. Um, we have to face how it really is here. And, and you recognize that when you read good literature. The author is true to reality. Um, sin has consequences. It, it matters how we live. Every good book, my daughter-in-law said, when I'm in the middle of one of these books, she goes, all I can say is that I live better. I see more. I want to live uh, more true. I want to follow Christ in a deeper way. But anyway, Chris, when I was reading Anna Karenina, and at one point in the story, Anna has seven sons, or Kristen, sorry, not, not Anna Karenina, I'm sorry, when I was reading Kristen Lavin's letter, Kristen has seven sons. And at one point, her husband has left, and she's, she's making it on her own in this manner, and they live in a manner. It's in medieval, it's medieval setting. And she, her husband comes back, but she is angry at him, and she doesn't want to let him into family life. And I found myself really angry at Kristen while I was reading. I thought, Kristen, he's trying. You need to open your heart and let him in. You need to forgive him. Um, invite him into family life. Uh, can't you see? He needs another chance. And as I was reading this, I understood that oftentimes I shut my husband out from our family. He comes home from work, and he needs to be invited in to the life of the family again. And I just saw that, and I understood that this is what a woman can do, is invite her husband in to the life of the family. Women have that capacity to do that. It's part of our feminine genius. But anyway, I just had that thought, and I became aware of that when I was reading Kristen Robin's letter. Mm. And several <clears throat> weeks later, I'm chopping carrots or something for dinner, and Pete walks in to the kitchen, and he says, Mark, he says, I don't know if I'm imagining this or what, but you sure have been nicer to me lately. <laughs> <laughs> And I thought, thank you, Kristen, because you see, understanding something about my life in the 21st century, and and this woman, it's a fiction, but from the, I don't know, 1300s, and yet it helped my life. It helped me see something 
Um, I'm not sure. Literature like this helps us see things in our life. It helps us. um, We're not. This book club is not about or reading these kind of books. I really don't think it's about uh, becoming a literary critic. It's not about understanding everything about analyzing a novel. It's about looking at our experience and looking at the experience of these characters and learning something about our life. Um, that's how these great books can help us. So um, I, I, I want to tease something out that you've been speaking about there. because I th- So we talked last week uh, and at the beginning of this, this episode about the age of destruction we live in. And, and we talked especially last week, we spent some time about how there's so many uh, demands on our time. You're talking about that. Your, your struggle to read more and you need a group because of the accountability, because there's so many things, uh, for, especially uh, for those of us who, who, have, who have children at home and so on, but anybody really, there's so many things pulling at us to find the time to read is, does take an, a great act of will in, in many instances. Um, and I know, Marcy, that because I've had conversations with people about this, I have so little time to read. I know there are these great works of fiction, but 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 what my t- my limited time that's available to read wouldn't it be better spent reading theology or philosophy, you know, uh, history? Wouldn't it be better spent reading? Uh, Robert Barron or Peter Kraft or Scott Hahn or Jennifer Fulweiler or, you know, all the all these Mary Healy, these great Catholic authors that we have out there, um, things like that. Why? It, what is it about uh, literature? What, what does literature have? What does what is great? What do great works of fiction that talk about the human condition? Have, as you have you have just been so beautifully stating it. Um, what do these have to offer that that even things like. Uh, theology and philosophy and, and, and Bible commentaries don't have to offer? Well, uh, that's, that's a good question. I had someone email me uh, who said that he was hitting his head against the wall because we call ourselves a Christian book club and he doesn't see the Bible um, listed on our right. list. Sure. He was so angry. And I, I um, wrestled with that question. I really wrestled with with the question of is it okay to spend my time uh, reading novels, or should I really uh, read read scripture more? I love the Bible. I read the Bible every day, um, but I don't think we need to feel guilty when we read a novel. Uh, it's it's not an appropriate place to put guilt. It's a it's a good thing to read, and reading uh, a literature is a story, which might be different from reading theology or uh, Bishop Barron's. You know, we're reading a story, and Jesus used stories. The Bible's full of stories. It's kind of God's way. He works, he speaks to us through a story, story of the ancient Israelites, and the story of the early Christians, um, all of our lives, the story of the saints. These stories... Um, I don't know, they ignite in us a fire, I think, of, of, of how to live, of wanting more, of a fire for greatness, you know, a fire to give our lives in a way that um, we don't leave anything on the table. We give it all. That's, that's what we want, isn't it? We want to give everything to the one we love. And um, sometimes a story just awakens our heart and our moral imagination to see that that's a possibility. 
So I think, yes, read theology, but literature has a certain place in educating the heart. Um, that's what it does. Somehow the, the great writers like Tolstoy and Tolkien and Lewis, they understood the heart in a way where you're reading along and you say, that's exactly how it is. This author is saying exactly what I know to be true. I, I maybe could never have articulated this, but what he says is true. Um, so, are you on, Chris? Yeah, I am. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, I'm listening. Okay. I didn't know if my phone went out or something. <laughs> I know, I'm being quiet. <laughs> okay. So, so, literature has a particular place to help us educate our hearts. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Ignition. This is a radio show and broadcast for the New Evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and Marcy Stockman is my guest today. And we're talking about um, the value in our spiritual life of reading well, reading great books. Uh, Marcy was with us last week. We talked about the value of reading more, and now we're talking about the value of reading well. And and we've just been talking about uh, the, the question that many many faithful Catholics pose, um, many people of, of, of faith pose, when we're talking especially about great works of literature, fiction. Um, why read uh, fiction when we have so much nonfiction um, that, that we might read? Scripture, uh, first and foremost, but also um, all the works of theology and philosophy and so on that are available today. Why, why read that? And Marcy, I, I love everything you've been saying, especially your emphasis on story, I completely agree. I think that God has created the human heart in a way where we are. There's a part of us that is awakened by narrative. Uh, there's part of us that is awakened by um, showing me re- reality as opposed to telling me about reality in a way that that, that fiction can do. Um, <clears throat> I think nonfiction, prose, if you will, nonfiction prose, um, tells us about reality, but a great story reveals reality to us. Uh, and they're both necessary. I, I, I don't think you're saying, I, I, w- I wouldn't say, uh, we wouldn't say that you should not read any theology. You already spent, you, re- you read scripture every day. That's necessary, but we have to recognize also that, that a narrative approach showing us reality being shown to us through the arts uh, in this case, we're talking specifically about through great literature, um, awakens our heart, uh, awakens, as you said, our moral imagination in a way that, that frankly, nonfiction doesn't and, 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 and really can't. Would, would, would that be a, a fair summary of what we've been saying? Yes, that's, that's a good summary. And uh, Dr. Mary Reichart, who is the editor of the Catholic Encyclopedia of Literature, she says this when asked, like, what is Catholic literature? She says, it is that which takes as its subject matter some aspect of the faith and wrestles with it. It will express the essentials of the Catholic faith, the fallenness, yet paradoxical glory of the human being and the joy of redemption. So it's, it's not just showing piety. It's not just showing sentimentality. Um, an essential of the Catholic faith is that we have free will. And these authors are going to show characters who accept the call to conversion and then those that don't. Um, also, Pope John Paul, in his letter to artists, he discusses the essential, essential role of art for the Church. So... Um, art, in this case, I'm talking about literature, um, where it might seem it's not directly connected, but what's happening is this kind of literature explores the depths and reality of human nature 
and it appeals to mysteries, says the Pope. So it's an it sort of opens our heart to to mystery. I mean, how many people have come to Christ, come to the church, and it starts with reading uh, great books. I think of is it Bishop Conley and Lincoln, who was in a great great book right. program in in uh, Kansas. Yeah, I um. I, I, I definitely, I've come to see, because that question, I wrestled with that question, just as, as you mentioned, you received an email from somebody. Uh, I personally wrestled with the question about um, the value of reading literature. One thing, this is, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this because, frankly, it's embarrassing, but I'm trying to, there there are some, Marcy, there are some um, art forms that I just don't get, and I know that the problem is me and not the art form. The One of them is opera. I just don't get opera. Um, but the other is poetry. And, and, and yeah, I've been, that's one that I've um, been, been working on, if you will, over the last few months. I, me being me, my, 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 my family, my, my good friends wouldn't be surprised by this. I checked out from the Sioux Falls Public Library a book called How to Read Poetry. <laughs> so they could figure out how to do this. But then there's a great uh, poet, a Catholic poet, Dana Joya. He was the head of the National Endowment for the Arts um, back in the early 2000s. Has a little collection, uh, published in Minnesota, actually, um, uh, of poetry. And I've just been trying to to immerse myself and trying. I mean, it, it, I don't do this daily or anything, but trying to immerse myself in it because I recognize that good poetry, like good literature, um, can awaken my mind and my heart in a way that as much as I love Bishop Barron, he's probably one of my, easily one of my favorite living theologians, and I think he he is uh, so powerful for our time, but his work uh, doesn't do that. In fact, Marcy, I don't know if you've read much of Bishop Barron, but he uses literature all the time. He's, he, he's a devotee of Flannery O'Connor, for instance, who I think you've... Um, had some of her books for the well-read moms um, readings, uh, but he he recognizes the value of literature, just as you said, Saint John Paul II does as well. Um, so I, I I do think we see among the greats of our tradition people pointing us to the value of literature. Would you agree with that? Yes, ab- absolutely, Chris. And I think with poetry, what I'm finding in my own experience is that. The more I am committed to reading quality literature, the more my capacity for it, um, right. I'm able to read a poem in a way because it's it's like junk food. If you're if you're having beautiful, um, nutritious meals, if you're having a family meal, uh, you don't need as much junk food. You don't you're you're being nourished in another way. So if we're nourished with quality, rich uh, literature, we, we we recognize when something is false. We recognize when it's less than, and we're not as attracted to it. Uh, we see it. We see through it. it so is- I think we grow in that capacity with poetry. I'm, and I, I read something by Dana Joya recently on the poetry of Gerard Manley Hopkins, mm. and just the way Hopkins works with words, and. It's. I wish I could quote some right now, but it, it's 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 kind of shocking the way he uses words, and and it sort of the shock opens something up in us to see something. It's delightful. There's a sense of delight when you when you have an understanding of something about the God's grandeur and uh, 
know yeah, the way he describes it. It's, it's beautiful. So, Marcy, we've got about three minutes to go. And what I'd love to do is listen. People have been listening to this episode maybe last week as well. Okay, there, some of them might be thinking, all right, all right, Mrs. Stockman, so where do I start? What do I read? So, um, what are some titles that come to your mind in terms of your, your top recommendations? You've already talked about Sigurd Unset's um, book, Kristen Levin's Daughter. Um, what are some books that come to mind that you might recommend to begin with as, as, a, as a way into great literature? Well, I think, uh, for example, Flannery O'Connor, the short stories, they're not so demanding. And they're, she takes it to, to read Flannery. You can be shocked by her writing because she, she usually has an episode of violence in her short story and it can seem sort of senseless. But if you read her letters or her her uh, writings, her own writings about what she was doing as she wrote, you start to see what she's doing and understand that that she uses violence sort of as a way for a character to respond to grace. And uh, so, anyway, Flannery is one who's who's fun, and maybe short stories are easier to get into. Right. Um, Willa Cather, her books are. The reading is, is not difficult. The prose is beautiful. The, the novels are fairly short. Um, there's short stories by Tol- Tolstoy, uh, which, so he just understood the human heart in way beyond. Uh, he's able to give that understanding of the human heart to us, and we, we recognize the truth. That's why it's a classic. Uh, so short stories of, of Tolstoy and... You know, I, I would say accountability. You need if you get some people together and or follow along and learn on and ask um, ask the women if the guys can come for a couple books a year or something like that. <laughs> I don't know, Chris, but I, I know accountability is huge. Also, it's it's um, when we share a book, we the 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 joy or the learning is magnified, and I would say that the conversation at these book club is so different than conversation. It's not surface conversation. Mm. It's it's conversation of depth, just like deep reading. When there's deep reading happening, the, the conversation is different. It's sort of a, a safe place to explore and meander um, when you're discussing a book. You can you can talk about, you can see things in your own relationships and, and maybe grow an insight about that through the conversation. So getting together with others and discussing um, what you've read, it's it's not just a bonus. It really is part of um, embracing or taking in what's good and beautiful and true in literature. That That's beautiful, Marcy. That's a great way, I think, to end this episode. Thanks for being here again this week. It's been a pleasure, Chris. And I just want to say hi to all my sous Sioux Falls friends, Father John and Jermaine and all the great well-read mom ladies, and I'd love to come visit you guys. We, and we'd be happy to have you, Marcy. And that will wrap up this episode of Ignition. Until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can find archives of this and past episodes online at sfcatholic.org. Click on Media and then Audio Files. You can also subscribe to the Ignition podcast in the iTunes store. 
Remember to tune in every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. on Lamb Catholic Radio at 91.3 FM in Hartford and 104.3 LPFM Juan Diego Catholic Radio in Sioux Falls and on 88.9 FM in Ipswich and Aberdeen or online at lambradio.com.